For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. everybody. Welcome to today's show. My name is Spencer Walsh. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Got a good one for you. This is what's on the agenda today. Justice Stephen Breyer is planning on retiring from the Supreme Court at long last for many members of the Democratic Party. Getting that extra, or not extra, but getting that liberal seat open, being able to fill it with a younger guy before the time ends. Let's take a look at the uh, political move around that. What is said to be uh, taking place um, and, you know, what we can expect when all things are said and done on that front. Also, we're taking a look at these talks in Paris aiming to resolve what's going on with the United States and NATO sending written responses to Russia on their demands over the Ukraine crisis. And we're going to analyze a little bit about the Joe Rogan situation. Um, You know, this case made by Bronco Marcetich here in Jacobin want to get into about why centering Joe Rogan from Spotify, which is the idea now, is not going to do anything about, uh, you know, vaccine misinformation. And last but not least, the classic Joe Biden gets based we can get right into it all today. Thank you so much for joining us here. This is Newsflash. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get right into it. And I do want to kind of, you know, actually, you know, what we will be doing actually for the last story of the show, we're going to tack on that video that we did not do last time. We are going to do that. I've just decided now. Um, uh, you know, and then there's also, you know, actually, you know, I'm being, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna change my mind. I'm I'm changing my mind again. We're talking about Nancy Pelosi. Uh, Right now, we're, talk- we're talking about Nancy Pelosi. Last, uh, she she's in the news, and we'll ke- we'll tell you why. Last, so stick around for that. But anyway, Stephen Breyer is retiring, folks. A big deal here. The senior member, most senior member of the Supreme Court's three-member liberal 
wing and a persistent, if often frustrated, advocate of consensus as the court moved sharply to the right, will retire on the confirmation of his successor. People familiar with the decision said, providing President Biden a chance to fulfill his pledge to nominate a black woman. So this is kind of a, one of the more, you know, sad, pathetic moments, in my opinion, of the primaries. Um, you know, it, in a, pretty much a bald political, pretty much a complete political pander. You know, it's going to be a history-making thing if he does it. And if he, you know, has the political operation to get him, uh, to get or her confirmed, um, you know, it, it will be a very, very good and historic thing. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but the, the inc- just the incredible, just flailing Biden campaign at the end of uh, the, the primaries here is going, yeah, well, well, we'll nominate a black woman in the Supreme Court. Yeah. If that's what you want, fine. Jim Clyburn was like, yeah, sure, good. You know, and pretty much handed him the nomination on a silver platter. Uh, but, you know, just him coming out and just saying that in between long rambling, you know, diatribes about record players during the Democratic debates. Uh, and then now the fact that we're actually in a position where that is, uh, you know, set to happen and that place be, uh, that thing be fulfilled could be very, very good. Um, so, yeah, Biden is expected to formally announce a retirement. Uh, at the White House on Thursday, but the part of machinery that has built up in recent decades around Supreme Court confirmation was already swinging into action on Wednesday as the word of Justice Breyer's decision reached through Washington. Justice Breyer is 83, the oldest member of the court, was appointed uh, after uh, by Bill Clinton in 1994. After the death of RBG in 2020 allowed Donald J. Trump to appoint Amy Coney Barrett as a replacement, uh, Justice Breyer wanted, became the subject of an energetic campaign by liberals who wanted him to step down to ensure Biden could name his successor while Democrats control the Senate. So, um, you know, Feinstein, <laughs> Diane Feinstein, former, you know, uh, chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and, you know, she had to step down. The only reason why she is not is because, you know, even Democratic, like, staffers and officials or whatever thought, you know, this dementia is too bad that she has here to keep going. Um, but even she, she's like, you know, we don't have to rush things. To, you know, it's not going to be a big We got six months. It's no big deal. We got this. You know, so not already, uh, you know, not the most confidence-inspiring start here from the Democratic Party. But with conservatives now in full control of the court, replacing Breyer with Another liberal would not really change its ideological balance or affect its rightward trajectory in cases on abortion, gun rights, religion, or affirmative action, but it would stop a possible 7-2 court, you know, uh, in in a few years when, you know, Republican president, you know, halfway through his term, if Breyer, you know, halfway through, you know, Trump's second term, for example, in 2024, if Breyer croaks, and all of a sudden, you know, Trump's in another position to get a fourth Supreme Court justice, um... That would be that would be a pretty awful situation uh, on Breyer, and it really is kind of incredible. Like, I I was genuinely surprised um, seeing this news because I was just like, "Whoa!" I did not expect that to happen. Like, I was like just utterly shocked, and like, you know, because I, I thought you know Breyer always had a very kind of really high estimation of himself. You know, his skills of jurisprudence and you know whatever. Um, and, you know, he definitely had a high estimation of himself, and he definitely, definitely, definitely was, had a high estimation of the court, and he was like, oh, it's, he, uh, I, the way I understood, from, from the reporting, his big reasoning was like, we can't make the court partisan, you know, if I retire, that's going to contribute to the partisan nature of the court, setting, setting off, you know, just retiring for political purposes, which is, you know, anyone, the, the only people who, you know, actually believe that 
rhetoric when they say it are you know the the liberal people uh, and the people closest to the Supreme Court on the liberal side. You know, conservatives have clearly you know the Federalist Institute or so the Federal Society is just one example, one one big fat example of how conservatives don't believe that at all. Um, yeah, so the opening, though, does provide Biden a chance to put his stamp on the court. Last justice was nominated by a Democrat was Elena Kagan by Barack Obama nearly a dozen years ago. And Democratic leaders on the Hill said they intended to move quickly to begin a confirmation process once Biden selects a successor for Justice Breyer. So, it, yeah, I really would like to know like what caused this guy uh, to, to get out because it just seemed to be very, very... Like, we just seem to have no incentive to do it because, you know, who's going to force him out? Like, nobody can force him out. He can just be in there as long as he wants. There really is no repeal process. I think I believe there is an impeachment process, but it's, like, very kind of, you know, complicated and hard to do. Uh, you know, Demo- the Democratic Party would never do it. He was very, very much safe in that position. And I would love to know, you know, hopefully we'll find out later what, what it could be that got him out there. Um, but... You know, it really does not change the reality of the Supreme Court. Is The Supreme Court was put in place from the founding of this country explicitly to moderate popular will, to moderate, you know, bodies like, you know, the House and, you know, elected push in a direction that, you know, whoever's in control of it, you know, people, people in power uh, think that things are going too far, they will use the Supreme Court to stop it. And that is what it is functionally in our system today. That is what it's there for. Um, and that can take it take it shape, you know, in many roles, but, you know, it could come off as moderate in, you know, kind of key cultural decisions like Obamacare. Um, and, you know, it'd be interesting to see how, for example, the Roberts Court will go on affirmative action, um, but that's, that's coming up. Uh, but, you know, even now, like, they're being increasingly less subtle with it, uh, with, you know, the abortion situation. But, they are, you know, an incredibly right-wing court, and they're called the Supreme Court for a reason. They're the Supreme Court, you know, like, I don't know how else to say it. So, yeah, their goal, they said, was to have hearings completed and a nominee confirmed in time to be sworn in after the court completed its current term in late June or early July, allowing Justice Breyer to serve out this term. Democrats control the Senate by the narrowest of margins. If they were to lose a single seat, the balance of power in the chamber would flip. And I, I did happen to be perusing on Twitter today and did find a Senate map which looked better than I thought it would look coming into the Democrats. Um, so that could be not too bad for them. Like they, you know, they if they depending on the candidates they run and you know how things shake out primary wise and the mood of the country, you know where things are in a few months. You know, they they could pick up, you know, some seats in the Senate, like, you know, Nevada, for example, if they really, really things go bad, they lose Nevada, especially with Hispanic voters, that could be a big sign of worry. But if they can put a candidate there who's like able to separate themselves from the Biden administration, you know, they have opportunity to hold. Uh, Pennsylvania could be a gain, depending, you know, that would be very tough, but looking at how things are now, but it'll be interesting to see what happens at the at the local level. Uh, but yeah, as long as Democrats maintain control and see unified behind Biden's choice, it'll be difficult for Mitch McConnell, Republican of Kentucky, and the minority leader to derail the nomination. Uh, so Chuck Schumer saying we want to get this done as soon as possible. You know that, you know, any promise these people make about, like, you know, oh, we really want to get this done. We're working hard on it. You know, no promise like that should be given at anything uh, in terms, in my opinion, of validation. Because frankly, when in the world... Have they ever like been 
when have they when in the world have they ever been like actually get stuff done like this whole entire year? Like they can make the promise, they can say they got all the plans, but not really the best situation. So justice typically announced their intention to step down in letters to the president, often making retirement contingent on the confirmation of their successor, so as not to leave the court short handed. In the event of delays, Justice Breyer will presumably want to serve out the balance of the current Supreme Court term, which will include major decisions on abortion and the Second Amendment. And NBC News was the first to report that Breyer planned to retire there. This, this though, was from the New York Times. So, the short list of candidates, some speculation already coming out. Justice Kintaji Brown-Jackson of the U.S. Court of Appeals uh, for the District of Columbia. And people are like, oh, you know, will Joe Manchin vote for Kintaji Brown-Jackson? But, you know, um, she did vote for – sorry, he did vote for um, – he did vote for Kandaji Brown Jackson to be put on the uh, District District of Columbia Court. Uh, also, Leandra R. Kruger of the California Supreme Court, who graduated from Yale Law School and served as a clerk to John Paul Stevens. Some Biden supporters have urged him to cast his net wider and consider candidates whether Ivy League degrees or Supreme Court clerkships, but with the diversity of experience. They pointed to, for instance, Judge Michelle Childs of the Federal District Court of Columbia, South Carolina, graduate of the University of South Carolina's Law School, and a former law firm partner who also worked in state government. In December, uh... He said she, she. He said he would name Judge Childs to fill a vacancy on the D.C. Circuit, a sign that she may be a serious contender for Justice Breyer's seat. Uh, his opinions have been those of a moderate liberal, marked by a deference to experts and ad hoc balancing of competing interests and alertments to fundamental fairness. He says his goal was to reinforce and support workable legal principles for a sprawling, diverse nation. Yeah, so that is all pretty much saying, you know, he largely upheld the status quo from a slightly, you know, he would go the liberal way on most issues, you know, in the the side of the Supreme Court, you know, not like he was some sort of, like, revolutionary in any way. He was just a moderate liberal, not too much more or less to say on that. He played a starring role in the court's last term, writing majority opinions, rejecting challenges to the SEA, and projecting a... Uh, protecting the free speech rights of the uh, Snapchat cheerleader, uh, that Chief Justice John G. Roberts assigned those opinions on him was a reflection of Breyer's seniority, his willingness to write narrow decisions, and achieve broad majorities, and perhaps an attempt to keep him on the court a little longer. But that didn't work. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners of the Spencer Walsh Radio Network, happy holidays, and thank you so much for supporting us this year. We are willing to give the gift of audio to you. This Wait a minute, the holidays are over, we're back, and we have an all-new lineup for 2022. You are listening to SWRN, the 2022 Spring Lineup. News Flash Mondays and Thursdays, The Spencer Walsh Show, returns next week. An all-new Hidden History, coming soon.
We are taking a look at a very interesting new foreign, or not really new, but developing, shall we say, foreign policy situation there. Um, this in the Washington Post, um, the United States and NATO on Wednesday delivered written responses to the Kremlin's demands for security guarantees that would curtail the military alliance further expansion and activities in Eastern Europe as tensions continue to escalate over Russia's buildup along its borders with Ukraine. The responses which NATO sent to the Russian embassy of Brussels and U.S. Ambassador to Russia John J. Sullivan hand-delivered to Russia's Ministry of Foreign Affairs set out a serious diplomatic path forward should Russia choose it. So, yeah, um, I think the, the important thing to do here is throughout all this really just constantly... Um, view every narrative, especially the United States is with here, with a bunch of much more skepticism than you may be used to, because time and time again, we've seen the United States make these kind of commitments, these promises, these like assurances, oh, we're trying for democracy, we want the diplomatic path forward, but we've just recently seen Ukrainian leaders coming out and say that United States and NATO in the West are escalating this beyond what it needs to be. So this is something that we cannot like really kind of lose sight of here. As this all comes out. So uh, both he and NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said with their responses, uh, which Moscow demanded be put in writing, were coordinated with Ukraine and each other and strongly from NATO's commitment to an open door policy for nations that want to join. Um, Blinken said the U.S. proposal suggested ways to improve reciprocal transparency between Russia and the West regarding force force posture in Ukraine and military exercises conducted in the region, as well as the placement of missile systems in Europe. Again, this is just, like, in my opinion here, if you're looking at the situation, Russia has every right to be mad, especially what we said with James Baker back under George H.W. Bush. We would not move one inch east, um, and probably a big reason why uh, now Russia wants other communications in writing is because none of that happened before. James Baker didn't put that in writing. He said it. It wasn't followed. And now they have crept way, way, way more than a few inches east into areas that really, really shouldn't, I mean, like, are much, much more ethnically ambiguous, to say the least, um, than what a lot of people in Western media would say, and risking real conflict to do it. Like, they're stepping on toes for really ridiculous purposes. Um, and a lot of this, like, if you look at, like, it's, again, the story are, always starts with secondly here. It always starts with secondly, because we see, oh, Russia's amassing tr or troops on the Ukrainian border. Oh, well, is, you know, is the United States moving closer to one of its, uh, you know, closest allies and moving in uh, on on the territory like trying to pick it up in a way that they seem and you know maybe not entirely wrongly like to, to be a threat to their interests you know like you've got to look at the way countries act and put them in you know put yourself if you are you want to have a kind of a rational fair sensible you know kind of you know, humanity first, to use a uh, Andrew Yang term there, foreign policy. Um, like, it it does not make any sense to put the sanctity and the continued expansion of the NATO alliance, um, you know, just because a certain sect of the Ukrainian government wants to join NATO, um, not risk it all for that. Like, that is just absolutely ridiculous. Like... This the the consequences of this are just so so high for the stakes. You know, just Ukraine and NATO. Like now, twenty twenty one years after the Cold War, really. Like, 
that that is what we are risking huge conflict over. Like, I, I just think it is ridiculous. So it's good to see, you know, a, a little bit more return towards diplomacy here rec- in, in of recent vintage. Um, it also suggested steps for uh, on arms control, uh, such as our interest following the on follow, in the follow on agreement to the New START treaty that will cover all nuclear weapons. Uh, Biden uh, agreed to the New START to extend the New START uh, treaty into February 2026 last year. Neither Kremlin nor the Russian foreign minister reacted publicly Wednesday to the U.S. and NATO documents. Speaking in Brussels, Stoltenberg said the military's alliance documented. Um, Sorry, alliance document called on Russia to withdraw its forces in Ukraine, Georgia, and Moldova, where Russia either has troops or backs separatist forces. The alliance also proposed practical measures, including a, including mutual briefings on military exercises, and expressed a desire for Russia and NATO to reestablish our respective offices in NATO in Brussels. Russia's decision to, last year to cut diplomatic ties with NATO makes our dialogue more difficult. Hmm. You know, again... It's not like, ugh, why are you cutting diplomatic ties with us? We're breaking, you know, all the promises and assurances we ever made to you. But, oh, oh, why are you, why are you so mad? Like, and again, this is why they keep pushing. Nobody's talking about the fact that these, the, the Western forces, NATO, United States, whatever, are pushing, pushing, pushing on this in, for, for stakes that just, in battles that just absolutely should not be fought in 2022. I may have said 2021 earlier. My bad. Uh, now I'm thinking about that. Um, but the initial response to the proposals of in- influential lawmakers in Russia was one of scorn. Russian Parliament member Vladimir Dazborov, a fem- senior, senior figure on the Federation Council's Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, said Russia had made its red lines regarding NATO's expansion clear, and United States' refu- refusal to accept them had freed Russia to do whatever it saw necessary. Now our hands are untied and we can do what we want. Uh, he told Interfax, a Russian news agency. So that is, you know, uh, just a, you know, just a bit disturbing. You know, not altogether what I would call encouraging. Um, but predictions about the future of the uh, direction of the crisis remain grim, even as Biden wrote, uh, kind of reiterated that a diplomatic solution is still possible. Um, earlier on Wednesday, Blinken's top deputy, Wendy Sherman, said the United States sees every indication that Russian President Putin is going to use military force sometime soon, likely between now and the middle of February. Um, again, that is something that, you know, with certain U.S. actions can very easily happen, but uh, by all means does not need to. Uh, all right, let's go here to our next story. Uh, an- another month, another Joe Rogan controversy here. This was, this is in Jacobin. Uh, for the past few weeks, the podcaster and his perch at the audio streaming giant Spotify have been the subject of yet another outcry, this time over his contribution to pandemic vaccine misinformation. Oh, no. Uh, so, less than two weeks ago, a group of 270 credentialed uh, figures, most of whom, it seems, aren't actually medical doctors, as some of the headlines suggested, which, I'm sorry, if you're, like, a doctor of, like, psychology or, like, English literature and you're signing this, like, that's a little ridiculous. Like, come on. The, like, what? It just, like, stay in your lane. Uh, like, Joe Rogan, he says a lot of objectionable things, you know, you, you may disagree with him, but, like, you're you're doing something that... By all means, it's just a little bit much. Um, yeah, so Rogan's show and other vehicles for uh, 
false and societally harmful assertions. They wrote, damage public trust in scientific research and sowed doubt in the credibility of data-driven guidance offered by medical professionals. Um, now the controversy is drawn in Neil Young, of all people, demanded his music be pulled from the streaming service in protest. Usually in arguing in this kind of thing, I would point to the dangers of letting unaccountable bureaucrats in a profit-seeking company pick what counts as false and societally harmful assertions and what doesn't, especially since they get it wrong, which is a key point. These people get it wrong so, so much. Like, for example, you know, Fauci, uh, CDC, like these people have shown throughout the pandemic, they may complete ask themselves so many times, like over so many issues, especially very recently like, with this Omicron surge and the guidance uh, put out forth by the CDC, like that was hugely uh, kind of damaging in trust. You know, there's been a lot of irresponsible information, but to assert that no criticism of these people is okay, you know, and a lot of you know a lot of criticism goes too far. But you cannot draw the line. No one is able to, I think, objectively draw the line. You know, I haven't heard a good proposal for where the line should be drawn yet. And it certainly should not be drawn by these people who, again, are not even medical doctors. Some of them. Um, about you know what you can and can't say to criticize people like Fauci on Spotify or wherever, um, yeah. So, but there's more fundamental issue going on, going on here. This is Bronco Marcetich, uh writing, uh, namely that censoring Rogan likely wouldn't do what his most ardent critics wanted to do, and is at worst a distraction. Um, no one can argue with the straight face that Rogan shows a reliable source of information when it comes to the pandemic. He's told young people they don't need to get vaccinated, promoted widespread use of ivermectin as a treatment for the virus, and generally hosted a correction of right, collection of right-leaning quacks and cranks, hawking various degrees of COVID denial. And like the, the thing is here, it's definitely true that there is some impact that this show is going to have on people's decision-making, but... You know, I think there should be, you know, people really should listen to the man himself when he says, quote, if you're getting vaccine advice from me, is that really my fault? Like, you know, what, like, look at your health professionals, look at, you know, talk, you know, people do a lot of different things to make the right decisions. And, you know, broadly, people should be trusted to that. Um, or to put it a different way, this is again Marcy writing, how is it that in an era when we are surrounded by the miracles of unprecedented technological and scientific advancement, millions of people have chosen to trust a stone MMA enthusiast during a health crisis over the public health experts? And again, it's not just like, oh, you know, people are stupid. People naturally gravitate towards experts. They gravitate toward people like who know what they're doing, just generally. What does it say about our society that all those people who put off that kind of vibe have lost so much trust. The scramble to gag Rogan strikes me as a misguided, panicky response to the frustrating stubbornness of both the pandemic and widespread vaccine resistance here in the United States, if not right out misdirection on the issue. Because if we were being honest about the situation, we'd admit Rogan's just one of the many purveyors of COVID misinformation that add to the problem, as his would-be censors put it, and that Others include a who's who of liberal politicians, public health officials, and mainstream press outlets that very sources were told are most trustworthy in mainstream voices on the pandemic who are pointing the finger at Rogan right now. That's not a new or groundbreaking point nearly two years into this thing. It's a fact. From the very start, the messaging of the pandemic from these quarters have been abysmal, politically calibrated, contradictory, and smugly confident in its wrongness. First, the coronavirus was obviously nothing to worry about, then avoiding it became the most important thing in the world. 
you know, this was very early on. Uh, everyone knew masks were useless and not worth wearing until everyone knew it was the opposite. You know, we were all were sure, you know, class, cloth masks were fine until they weren't. You know, these things do change. Information is, you know, especially with the news media and, you know, news media has really kind of allied itself to public health, which is probably not a good thing for public health. Um, but that is a real, real loss of credibility. Some of this owed to the lack of initial information about the virus and its constantly evolving nature, but as that last entirely enforced error by the public health experts show, um, far too much of it wasn't. And people, for that, I think that really began to sink in. And, like, that shows you the real danger of this kind of censorship. And, because, you know, who is to decide who is credible when the people saying that, you know, for example, Joe Rogan is incredible, have proved themselves to be so uncredible themselves. Buckingham Palace has announced the death of His Royal Highness the Duke of Edinburgh. It's News Flash. All right, last story for the day. Um, and, you know, this is so, just really amazing, trying to testament to the, the pain that is the Democratic leadership. Nancy Pelosi has just announced, just today, that she is riding again. She's spe- seeking a second term here. Um, she'll, she will seek re-election, is what she says. Uh, not that she will serve maybe another term as House Speaker. You know, she'll probably be able to do that anyway. Uh, you know, because they're going to lose the House by a lot. The conventional wisdom has been that this will be House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's last term in Congress. She made a pledge following the 2018 election, limiting herself to two more terms as a Democratic leader. I can't. I love how she's like, it can't just be one. It has to be two more. It has to be two. Like the the 80, like the 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 average is like 82 for the House Democratic leadership, and you wonder why they're so incompetent. Um. Yeah, so she said following the 2020 election, she would abide by those limits of two terms. But on Tuesday night, she released a video announcing she would seek re-election in 2022, confirming earlier reporting she decided to do so. Um, and those two things are not necessarily in conflict. So Pelosi is extremely concerned about being a lame duck leader within the Democratic caucus, which is what she would make herself if she were announced she was retiring at the end of her term. When asked about her retirement plans over the next year or so, she would often say something along the lines of, do you think I'm going to make myself a lame duck right now? Uh, once she knows, uh, once she's known to be on the way out, her grip over the caucus would loosen at a time when Democrats have still much legislating they hope to do. Last year, even the perception that Pelosi would be leaving may have contributed to problems with her leadership, like when she struggled to bring progressives on board to pass a bipartisan infrastructure law when she would have preferred um, them to, to vote with her. Uh, Pelosi retiring would also risk signaling at a time when reams of other senior House Democrats are rushing to the door. Democrats view the majority as being lost, um, but also she's 82, so I'm sorry, Slate. It's ridiculous. Like, she is a very... Uh, or 82, or I think even a little older, 83, 84 now. But again, it is not, you know, it'd be interesting to see if she does become, or if she does stand out as a leader, that would be a very interesting situation. Um, what many have expected her to do is run for re-election, check, quit sometime shortly thereafter, and guide her preferred successor to uh, through an ensuing special election. If that is the track, then she's still on it. And again, I don't know who many of these people are, but many of these people probably, you know, just have not been analyzing Nancy Pelosi from a very rational point. Because when has she ever done anything that's like, 
you know, crafty, um, smart, and thinking of the like you know, the movement, or, you know, advancing Democrats as a whole, rather than just making sure, you know, her bottom line isn't improved. Like when I saw she's staying around, and you know, it positive, you know, she may not be speaker again. Certainly possible. You know, why would she want her seat? Well, the first thing thing that came to my mind is that she wants to you know do more insider trading with the stock market. Uh, so like that is that is about where I stand uh, with Nancy Pelosi. And it will be interesting to see what she does with the Democratic caucus. Very interesting. And, you know, if the progressives will be bold enough to to, uh, to do anything resembling a challenge there, highly doubt it. You know, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, but until then, it should be very interesting to watch Pelosi and all these octogenarian leaders like Steny Hoyer and Jim Clyburn, you know, uh, grip their bony fingers on to the the wheels of the Democratic Party. So we got for you guys today. We'll be back on Monday. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.